The J&J Podcast. I'm Jeff Day. John Colford. Yes, veteran missionaries. Or you're a current missionary, right, John? Yes, sir. Uh, eight years full-time and going back and forth for the last four years. Laoi effort. I'm Jeff Day. Eight years in the little village of Caltag in Alaska, located on the Yukon River. We are coming to you from the heart of Alaska at the Intrue Studio in Fairbanks. I have the privilege of being with uh, Clayton and Robin McCurdy this evening, and we're talking missions again at J&J Podcast. And I, this is a special one. I've waited a long time to get this one because I have both of them for one, and for two, it's I've known them for many, many, many years. Wow, we go back a ways, don't we? We do. We do. We do. I remember when I filled in for a, when you were teaching in a, church school here at Bible Baptist Church, and I was in a class, and in the classes you were teaching back then. How long ago was that? Long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Clayton, can we start with you this this evening? Um, can you share with us when it was you got saved, and the abridged version of what I'm trying to get at is getting saved, and your feel. You know, hang on, let's let's back up here a second. So, you guys are missionaries to. Moldova. No, come on. Where's Moldova? Moldova <laughs> is in Eastern Europe, and it's right between Ukraine and Romania. It's just north of the Black Sea. Oh, amen. So, you're a missionary for how long there? Uh, this year, well, this last year, in, in August of 2023, we celebrated 20 years since we went to the field. 20 years on the field. Amen. So let's back up here a second. Let's grab you, then I'll grab your bride as far as when you got saved. So uh, my parents moved to Alaska from Pennsylvania right after they got married. So I was born and raised here in Fairbanks. And after I was born, my parents started to attend Bible Baptist Church here in Fairbanks. Pastor Duffett had just become the pastor. And, uh, and so as a result of that, I grew up in church, going to Sunday school, and it was after Sunday school on a Sunday morning. We were on our way home from church. We stopped at the grocery store. At that time, it was called Market Basket. And we stopped there. Mom went in, into the store to get some groceries. And uh, I remember talking to my dad in the front seat of the pickup truck in the grocery store parking lot. And he led me to the Lord right there in, wow. at the grocery store. And hey. so um, I was just, a, I don't even remember exactly how old I was, probably six, five, six years old, something like that. But I remember that day, I remember getting saved. And um, later on, I think I was about eight years old, I got baptized and then ended up, you know, growing up in the church, going to the Christian school. And uh, so, yeah. Wow. Amen. Okay, Robin, you're chopping it a bit. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, I was born in Wisconsin and my mom moved up here when I was four and a half years old. And she through a series of events, knew that she needed to go to a Baptist church. So she opened the phone book, and the first one listed was Bible Baptist Church. So she, we went to Bible Baptist Church and haven't stopped. Um, so I was able to go to the Christian school, and when I was around 12 years old, one of my friends uh, went forward at the end of a special service. To, uh, I went forward at the invitation. When she came back, she said, Robin, you'll never guess what happened tonight. 
And she said, I got saved. <laughs> and I was shocked because here she's a missionary's daughter, around 13 years old, one of my best friends. And But what that did was it caused me to think that I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. And I went home and I prayed to the Lord. I said, I know all the verses. I went, I prayed the Romans road to him and said, I know all these verses and I trust Jesus as my Savior. So, it changed? It's hard to look back as you're a young person. You're growing up in church right. and you don't feel these big changes and um, all these things. But I can look back and see a different focus in my life after that. Wow. Amen. At what point did you two decided to say, hey, we're a couple. Yeah, that, so <clears throat> it started really when we were in high school and entirely too young. And uh, uh, we started to be a couple, to quote unquote, be dating when we were just teenagers, because we grew up in the same church. We grew up uh, in the same uh, circle of friends. And so uh, we started dating in high school and 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 uh, <clears throat> and then it was, you know, one of those things where, again, we were young, immature, on again, off again kind of a thing. And then we ended up going to Bible college. We both attended Massillon Baptist College in Massillon, Ohio. And we started to seriously court in, in Bible college. And as especially as I was getting to the end of Bible college and I'm starting to think about my future and I'm starting to think about marriage and having a family and um one of the principles that we had learned from Pastor Duffett and from being in Bible Baptist churches is, is you know the principle of authority and that God puts authorities in your life that we are according to the Bible to submit ourselves to and for instance and we had made a commitment we had we had said that you know it is if if our parents are not 100% in agreement with this relationship or this timing or whatever then we're not going to go ahead with it, and we're going to trust that that's God leading us through the authorities he's placed over us. Is this while you were dating? This was while we were in, while we were courting. In fact, um, I think it was, I can't remember now whether it was before we went to college or during college or whenever it was, but, um, I, but, but I know that we had both made that commitment and, uh, and then I think that the Lord wanted to test us to say, oh, you, you really believe that? Well, let's see. And when we started to think about marriage and our future after Bible college, um, uh, one of, one of, one of my parents said, no, I don't think it, need, I don't think it should happen. Really? Not a good idea. And so then we had a choice. We could either follow through with what the Bible says and what we, the commitment that we had made. And what made it more difficult was that we had been preaching that to other kids in college, you know, because they would come to college, they would meet, uh, they would become a couple, they would want to get married after, you know, two months of Bible college. And we would say, or I would say to me, oh, what do your parents think about this? Oh, my parents are against it. They don't think I ought to do it right. at all. And I would say, well, then you shouldn't do it. That, that, you, you shouldn't rebel against your, your parents. God gives you them for protection. And, you know, so we had been, Telling other people that now we had to be, we were put in that situation. And, uh, and so we did, we, we broke it off. We, we were not engaged at the time, although I was thinking along those lines, but we, we broke off our relationship and it was probably good. If I remember 
around, around two years um, before God worked in the heart of my parents. And one day they came and they said, if you're still interested in Robin, we are good with that. That would be a fine what thing. What period of time? It was about two years later. Really? Two years later. Now, looking back on that, I believe that that was from God because I had a lot of growing up to do, some maturing to do, and <laughs> we were still, you know, by the time we got married, I think I was 24 years, just turned 24 years old. Robin was 23. And so, you know, it was, it was not like we were old or something like that. And, and it gave us a couple of years to grow and grow in our walk with God. And it was, as I look back on it, I think it was a good thing. I think it was from God. I know it was from God. And so, and, and I'm thankful for it. And I think we were better off because the Lord had us to wait on him for a couple of years and it increased our faith and trust in God. So your parents, you know, they finally, or people got on board for, for you guys to get together. Then, then at the green light at that time, had you been called to the field up to that point? So, yes, because going back, um, a few years when, when I was in high school, we had, of course, you know, Bible Baptist church and the emphasis on missions and missions conference every year. And when I was a teenager, we had a missions conference. And I remember we had a fella named Don Sturtz with Baptist Careers for Christ. And he was presenting his work. And at that time, that was right around the early 1990s when the Soviet Union was breaking apart. Right. And at, and he was, and he had been trying to get the Bible into the Soviet Union even before the Soviet Union had broken apart, smuggling Bibles. He's got some incredible oh stories. Anyway, at, at that point, the wall had come down, things were opening up, and I remember him just pleading that we need to get the Bible into the former Soviet Union. We need to do it, and, and, and the doors are opening. We don't know how long they're going to be open. And that was the missions conference when I went forward, and I surrendered my life, and I took a question mark. And so that was... So that was in my mind. I didn't know exactly what God wanted me to do, but that was in my mind that that was the direction I was going. So I was already leaning that way without specifically knowing that I was going to end up in Moldova. So yes, when we got married, missions was already on my mind. The shift the gear here, when you say Moldova, it's Russian speaking? Moldova is former Soviet Union. Okay. So most everybody is bilingual. They speak Russian. They also speak um, the Moldovan language, which is almost identical to Romanian. So everybody pretty much is bilingual. So 20 years, and you know, I'm aware, but for everybody here, you speak pretty fluent Russian. We speak Russian, yes, and a little bit of Moldovan enough to, you know, kind of get by, but, but do you understand Russian. it enough when you're speaking Moldovan? Sometimes maybe. yes, sometimes no, a little bit. You don't run into that much Moldovan, do you? Oh, yeah. Primary, it's, is it? Yeah. Especially it is. you go to a market, you go, um, and I would say Moldova is going more and more away from the Russian, Russian and more toward Moldovan, at least because of the government that's in power now. They're very anti-Russia and pro Moldova and pro Europe. So they're, they're trying to, and it's a big controversy. They're excluding Russian and making Romanian Moldovan more prominent in the country. So it's everywhere. So hey, let's, let me back up here a second because you were, 
you you two can't you two were green lighted to go ahead and get together and stuff. You felt called to the Russian. Did she know that? Did you know that, Robin? Did you know he felt called to going to Russia? I don't know if I would say specifically. I knew he was always interested in speaking Russian, had taken classes at the university, a summer class, I think, and um, was studying at the university at one point. Um, after we got married, I also studied one year of Russian up at the university. And we both had missions-minded, but it always was out there. It wasn't a real present <laughs> right now in the next couple of years. And so really the transition to the country of Moldova and how quickly the Lord put that all together, I wouldn't have said I expected. I was I didn't have a problem with it, but I I wouldn't have said, yeah, we'll be there in two or three years after I, I didn't have that on my radar. So the fact that you two, you know, getting I'm only trying to push it. I'm trying to emphasize a point or hit on a point. Here here you are, you know, okay, we're green lady. You want to get back together? And it's like, you're going where? Yeah. Um <laughs> that didn't even factor in, did it? He just had a heart for serving God. Right. We both had surrendered our lives. We both had missions in the back of our minds. And um, actually, we got engaged. And a couple weeks later, he left for Moldova on a, on a trip. Yeah. And um, I wouldn't have even called it a survey trip as much as it was a... It was more of a missions trip. Right. And so that was really, I think, the well, we'd heard of it through the, some people that we went to Bible college with. But Clayton knew them better than I did. I, I knew of them, but I didn't know them. So let me see if I can summarize everything that's gone on to this point. So you two knew each other, grew up with each other within the church, were dating each other, wound up going to Bible college, uh, same Bible college together. And so you wanted to start courting. Your parents disagreed. One of the parents disagreed. One out of it would be all four, four there, but one of them said, no, nah, this ain't happening. And you honored that. And through honoring that several years later, you know, you still focused on what God would have you to do. You knew you were called the missions, but you honored your parents. Your parents were at one, at a certain time, several years later, you were green lady to get, to continue this relationship. And, uh, okay. How long after you got the green light, did you say, Hey, well, we're we yes. talking hours, minutes. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just curious. Yes. Well, I went to Pastor Duffett. And oh, you're still going through authority what? at this point. So <laughs> I'm just saying. I went. I went to Pastor Duffett and I said, "Hey, this is what's going on. You know, <laughs> what do you think? How long should we wait? When should we? What you know?" And he's like, "Why wait? They you know, seem- you've got if, if God's <laughs> given you green lights, you know." So. Uh, that was, we, we ended up getting engaged in February and we got married in July. So yeah, <laughs> that works. That works. So you went to Moldova on a mission trip. Yes. Yes. We went, uh, I went with another fellow from the church here and we just took a trip. And, uh, when I was in Bible college, um, uh, there was a, there was a, married couple that was also studying in college. He was an upperclassman. His name was Paul Hamilton, his wife, Susan. And when I was in Bible college, they were, they had gone on a trip to a little country called Moldova. I'd never even heard of it. I didn't even know it existed. But when they came back, they were really excited and saying, Hey, this is a former Soviet country. They speak Russian there. Um, it's wide open to the gospel. There are no missionaries there. 
And they said, we're, we're praying about going back as missionaries. And I remember, okay, and that got my attention because already in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about the former Soviet Union. So that got my attention and I was really thinking about it. And I talked to him a, a little bit, not, not even that serious. And you know how it is. You, you're talking to somebody and, oh yeah, you know, I'd, I'm going to, I'm going to come visit you there someday, you know? Right. And, um, I'd probably said that to 50 missionaries over the course of, oh, you're one of those <laughs> over the course of my time in Bible college and being here in Fairbanks and, you know, and then God opened the door for me to go on a missions trip right around this time when we got engaged. And so the first place that, that I believe God put on my heart and mind was I want to go visit brother Paul Hamilton in Moldova. And so he did. Wow. Amen. So that that's, I'll tell you what. We've, we do put a pin there. I'll tell you what. <laughs> really? <laughs> What's interesting is we've tried to um, get reach into the pew and get people out there, visit your mission field. You know, go visit a missionary. I mean, um, uh, we can get into the, the pros and cons of some of that if we head down that road. But I, the, have, I have thoughts. <laughs> I have the, <laughs> Okay, it looks like we're heading down that road. <laughs> but, you know, heading to the mission field, and it, it did something to you, obviously, and opened up some doors for you. Um, it, after that missions trip, did, now you went and visited Brother Hamilton. What, how much of Russian did you know at that time? At that time, I knew a, a handful of <laughs> phrases, a couple words. I knew practically nothing. Right. So you visited the field. Uh, at what point did you feel called to that field? Well, it was, um, it would have been later on when, um, he actually came, brother Hamilton came to Fairbanks and preached. And I really had a, a lot of time to sit down and talk to him and we prayed together. And, uh, that would be when I specifically felt, okay, God's leading me to go to that country and it's going to be soon. Wow. But, but that was, again, after the missions trip. Um, and then uh, he actually came to Fairbanks. So you, you felt called. You shared that with Robin. You're not married at this point, are you? Yes, we're yeah, married. So you're married and you share with with, with Robin to say, hey, we're going to Moldova. And, okay, <laughs> get a smile on your face. Go ahead. Go ahead, Robin. Say, go ahead and share that with us, Robin. <laughs> I remember him coming up to visit, and he came. We had him over for dinner, and he was talking to us. Brother Hamilton. Yes. Okay. And we had visited him. At, we yeah, we, we had visited them, right, um, for our wedding gift. His parents had gifted us a mission trip anywhere we wanted to go. Really? And so. The, Whoa, hang on. Back up. Hang on. <laughs> Which parents? Clayton's parents. They gave you guys a mission trip to wherever you wanted to go? Oh, there's a novel idea. Go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. That's okay. So we had visited, and it was not a survey trip. It was <laughs> there's a lot of things that went on uh, just getting there, and um, Mrs. Hamilton was actually not even there when we arrived. I think we were in country five or six days maybe in the end. We, we first we went to Ukraine, to Kiev, because that's the way I did it before. We went to Kiev, got a train, took the train into Moldova. That was the cheapest way to go at the time. 
And so we, that was how I did it the first time. So when Robin and I went together, I said, we'll do the same thing. We'll fly into Kiev. We'll take the train and we'll get the whole experience. Somebody's going to be there to meet us. Well, you know, right. and then we got there and the rules had changed in Ukraine. You had to have a visa before you got into the country. So we got in there and didn't have a visa. And they said, sorry, you can't enter the country. You have to fly back on the flight you came in on. And so they kicked us out. They deported us back to Amsterdam. So once we were in Amsterdam, we had to buy tickets in right into Chisinau. And at that time, you know, there was no, we had no cell phones. There was none of that. So the Hamiltons for over a day, they had, they, they had no idea where we were. We never showed up in <laughs> Kiev. So it was a big fiasco. But anyway. So we we eventually we eventually made it and and then and then Mrs. Hamilton right before we got there because of a medical emergency with one of her children uh she had to leave. So Robin didn't even get the chance to really meet her or fellowship with her at all when we were there. Wow. Elisa was 3 months old. Yeah. Well she must not know that if that was in March she was maybe Four or five months old. Yeah. So you took her. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Traveling with a four or five month old overseas. It's an experience. <laughs> you say yes. <laughs> Clayton's are shaking his head. <laughs> well, looking back on it, it's just it's crazy, you know. And I, I didn't, I, I didn't even realize how crazy it was. But uh, it was looking back on it, it's just nuts. <laughs> you say that's Robin's laugh. <laughs> we stayed in a house of their neighbor, and they didn't speak any English. And then Brother Paul Hamilton is a go getter, so he grabbed Clayton, and away they went. And there you are. And I sat wow. with my baby, not knowing where I was, what was going on, where, and they'd be gone all day. And <laughs> um, it was a it was an experience. It was an experience. <laughs> Obviously, it was something because you guys went back. Yeah. I remember too. While I was there on that particular trip, I got sick. I had the flu. I was I had a temperature. Uh, I was miserable. But you know, we only have a few days, and we've come all the way across the world. So we just kept going. I remember trying to preach in these places. He was taking me and. I was just sicker than a dog, and oh my! Wow. So, with that kind of experience, <laughs> now that everybody's saying I ain't going, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but that, but God showed Himself powerful through all that. Yeah, I'm sure yeah and, and again, you know, you see it and you realize, oh wow, there's a huge world out there. Look, here's towns and villages and places that I've never even heard of or seen and, and these people that need the gospel. And so I think, you know, the Bible says your eye affects your heart and you see that firsthand and you realize, wow, there's a, we need laborers to go into the harvest. And, and God had put that across our path and put us in contact with that place. And so we just knew that he was leading us there. Missionary, missionary. So you go over there. And you see the people, God really knit the hearts of the people to your heart. It's funny how that works, isn't it? Yeah, amen. You know, you sit there because it's so easy to look and say, what is this? This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. And I don't know if I'm saying this correctly, but somehow it's like, this is where I'm supposed to be because all of a sudden you see people as, oh, I got to be careful here. People as people Hmm. that need Christ and it just, it's, 
if if God's going to put you somewhere, it's interesting how he knit your heart for those people. Yeah. Um, classic example, uh, John O'Brien. Those bombs were dropping on his people. Yeah. You know, and he, in Ukraine today, and boy, you listen to some of the stuff he posts, or if I talk to him and stuff, he kind of takes that personal. Mm-hmm. I'm like, John, this, you know, don't, don't take this the wrong way, but is this your war? And he says, he says, no, but these are my people. Right. And, and it's like, wow. Yeah. It's hard. It's, it's interesting how God, you know, knits that up because you have to have that because things get, things get tough. Things get tough when they get tough. It's all their fault. It's so easy to say it's their fault. Sure. You know, and, but it's instead of just being tough. Yeah. You know, that's so if you're just going for, how do I say this as a missionary? I guess I can say it any way I want. Uh, if you're just going for, because that's what I'm supposed to do as, as a Christian, that ain't going to cut it. Yeah. If God puts you there, he's going to give you what you need to keep you there. Yeah, amen. And, and that's all I get sidetracked on that. That's the sort of stuff. And it's interesting seeing how God's worked in both of your lives and was working in both of your lives and directed your hearts to, uh, it, it's interesting because you hear the struggles that you're having, that you were sick and you have a, a four month old traveling around, <laughs> checking it across the world and stuff and getting thrown out of the country and all this. It's easy to say, you know, well, look at, you know, God really doesn't want us to go here. And when the truth of the matter is, did that ever inch in your mind? No, no. Mm-hmm. It was like, this is just what we're up against. No, it, it, it is. And there's a lot of that, you know, and I think, uh, if, if, as a missionary, if the first time you come up against some kind of an obstacle, you say, oh, I guess God doesn't, you'll never go anywhere, you know, um, just because there's obstacles and difficulty. I mean, you look at the Apostle Paul, read through the book of Acts, think about all the difficulties he had. He just kept going, kept preaching. So um, you need something more than just, oh, I'm having a tough time to turn around and say, okay, I guess God doesn't want me here. They're, they're, you need more. You need something from the Bible. You need something. More concrete than just I'm having a tough day. Help me out with something here, Robin. Um, you, you hear what he just said. Now you guys, twenty years down the line on this thing, um, it's you hear what he's saying, um, but you're up against the same. You know, you're, you're hitting a wall like he's hitting a wall uh, of problems and stuff, and it affects both individuals differently. Even in marriages, you see, I don't care if we're here in the states, uh, you're up against the, when you're up against call it a financial struggle. Um, uh, wives take that a little different than, than the guys do. What, 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 cause there's a, there's young ladies out there that were women here, you know, here's it, here what we're talking about and stuff and these struggles. How did you deal with that stuff yourself? I think that communication between he and I was important. There were times and situations where, you do have to be I mean, very honest with what you're thinking and what's going on. Sometimes it's just perceptions, but sometimes the uh, reality is we had a, a phrase we used. Um, it was an airport day, and meaning I'm ready to drop and go. I'm just done. done. With, with, but um, knowing that in the morning things can look a lot brighter, giving things, being patient, and... Um, I think it, it's so important to to have that 
personal relationship with the Lord where you are in the Bible yourself, and it it does calm your mind. It calms your heart. There's been a lot of things, if we sit and think through the years, kids in the hospital, difficult work situations, just a lot of different factors. We can look back and say, that was God's grace. We didn't maybe even think it was so hard. We look back and think, well, that was a kind of a crazy situation. Um, uh, yeah, hard days. Days I came back from the market frustrated with a language because I can't find a simple item. Uh, yeah, lots of lots of hard <laughs> things. Um, that uh, just a little bit harder to do some simple everyday things. But uh, I loved my husband. I wanted to be with him. I you were talking about him being called when Brother Paul came. He sat in our living room and he was praying for a deputation vehicle for us and all this stuff. And I had no idea <laughs> we were going on deputation. Oh, he's praying a vehicle in for us. And oh, these were all surprising factors to me at this moment. Um, not that we weren't willing to go, but I definitely did not see that time frame coming like that and how quickly God moved us to the field. But we're very thankful we went, I'll say, young and dumb or young and flexible or just willing to go. That we think that helped us through a lot of difficult situations and the principle of submitting to authority and the leading of authority, trusting that went a long ways in our lives. Well, well, and I remember Gil Anger when he came <laughs> and he preached and I remember him saying, if you're going to go to the mission field, you need to go when you're very young or you need to wait until your kids are grown. I remember him saying that, not that, and, and, and I think it's a general statement and every family is different and not everybody's the same and God can lead different people at different times. But in our case, it was a blessing that we did go when we were young. And were we prepared? No. Were we ready for everything? Not a chance. But we, and we've talked about this, we've, we basically grew up together on the mission field. You know, we, we were so young and, and newly married, really newly married. And so we grew up there and that was a blessing. And, and, uh, you know, and again, how God led us even faster than I thought. I remember I, I was thinking that um, um, I, when I surrendered and I had talked to pastor about going on deputation and we had the green light to do that, I remember I, I, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to wait until the first of the year. And after the first of the year, we'll start doing deputation maybe right here in Alaska. And at that time, I worked at Alaska Aero Fuel, and Bob Hawkins was the boss, and I was doing, I was the dispatcher for the heating oil. And um, I remember I went to Bob, and I said, Bob, I said, I want you to know what's going on and what I'm thinking, because in a few months, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going to probably go on deputation and go to the mission field. And, 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 and Bob was a member of Bible Baptist, so I knew he was, he was happy for us to go to the mission field. And so I said, Bob, I'm, 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 I believe God wants us to go after the first of the year. He said, you're not going after the first of the year. He said, that's right in the middle of heating oil season. You're not leaving me right. out and dry in the middle of heating oil season. He said, you're going in the fall before it starts or you're waiting till spring. How do you like, no. <laughs> we waited. We, we went in the fall time. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> oh. So uh, before I run over on to deputation, look, hey, children at this time, how many, how many did you have? We just just on deputation, just Elisa. You say just, <laughs> but she's how old now? Starting deputation. 
It was in, uh, we, we started Deputation September 11th, 2002. And she would have been... Just shy of two years almost old. Almost two years old. Two fascinating things. One, that you would take a two-year-old on deputation. And two, he actually remembers dates. <laughs> Guys <Yes>. don't remember <laughs> dates. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're dragging a two-year-old. I shouldn't say drag. You're taking a two-year-old on deputation. You know, I, I, I posit that because there's so many young couples that say, well, that can't be done and that. But, I mean, you drag a four-month-old over to Moldova. I mean, what's deputation at that point? <laughs> Just saying. So, you, deputation, when you started deputation, how long were you on deputation? Ten months. Ten months. Yes. And I only ask these specific questions just because there's a whole lot of people you know, that are traveling around like that. So you're only on the deputation for 10 months. How much were you trying to raise? Well, see, and that was the beautiful <laughs> thing. Uh, I did not have a mission board. We were sent right out of Bible Baptist Church. Right. Uh, so I, and I realized, and it's probably wise, but, you know, some mission boards, some churches require a particular amount. And uh, so at that time, I think I had in my mind about $2,000 a month. Uh, we're going back away. So we're that, going that, back that, away. That's we're going back 20 Go years. And even then, I don't know, not, you know, again, we were young and we didn't have a lot of experience. And I don't know that I would recommend for anybody to do this. But that was the, 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 the goal that I had in mind. But we ended up not... You know, I, I realize some people need to do this, but they, they set a goal. Okay, once we have 100% of support or we have 75 or 80%, then we'll go. We actually set the date. We said, okay, we're leaving in August of 2003. And that's when we're going to go because we had to, you know, we had to get tickets ahead of time and we had to plan ahead to get to get a place to stay. And again, this is this is back before there was a lot of Internet and travel was easy. And, and right. This we was, drove our stuff down to ship it out of Ohio. We so. shipped our stuff. Yep. We shipped our stuff. And, and so we just said, OK, I guess we're going in August of, of 2003. And so, uh, yeah, we didn't have our two thousand dollars a month. <laughs> and you were close? <laughs> sort of. Well, we weren't even <laughs> that, sure. that means no. <laughs> we weren't even sure what was going to come in. You know, we had some churches that said, yeah, we'll support you. We had some that were like, oh, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to or not. We ended up just going. Once we actually went, many of the churches that had promised, I think once they saw that we went, then they started supporting us. Yeah. And, right. and it started to come in, but it didn't come in until after we went. Right. And it was just, I think the Lord just helping us out. And, and that was, and again, that was just one of those steps that increased our faith as we went. And we saw that, okay, as I keep going in the direction of God's will, I keep seeing God supplying. And that was encouragement to us. So when you guys left and you, you picked the date that when you're going to go there and you fly over there, uh, you obviously hooked up with Brother Hamilton helped out with that mission yes, yes. Well, your intent when you went there was to start a church yeah first the first thing is i was going and i was going to work with brother paul because he's been there for a few years and i i, I just wanted to learn as much as i could and um you know and of course in my mind before I went, I had all kinds of thoughts and plans and, and sure. ideas about what needed to happen and what I was going to do. And, um, 
you know, if you'd have heard, if you'd have heard my presentation <laughs> on deputation, it was amazing. All the stuff that I, I was only laugh because I know exactly what you're doing. <laughs> uh, it's amazing how God has has moved, and I'm doing things that I never thought I would do. Gone, you know, it just again, God can use a moving vessel and and steer it in the right direction. Um, but definitely, so yes, we went to work with brother Hamilton to begin with. And, um, and just to see, just go and see what, see what the Lord would do. That's, that's how we, that was our attitude. It's interesting. I don't know. I do not want to run past it. Um, a man devises in the heart and in his heart. Try that again. A man devises in his heart, his ways, the Lord directs his steps. And you were saying you feel called to Moldova and we have no other choice but to start putting these things together in our head, how we're, how it's going to happen and how it's going to work out. But it's just like life. It never turns out the way you think it should. Yeah. But as long as you're doing it for God, he's the one who directs your steps and the yep. way he needs done and just the willingness to go. And I use uh, Gideon as a, when the Lord visited Gideon, he says, go this in thy strength and see if I won't bless. Step out, Gideon. Yeah. See if I won't, you know, how, here, let me prove it to you. You know, do you wrote, God, am I really supposed to be here? Well, step out. Step out. Which capacity? I don't know. It's between you and God. Step out and see if he won't bless it. That's all he told Gideon. And that's what he tells us. As, you know, you feel called as a missionary. As a missionary, you just step out, see if I won't bless it. And, boy, that, I don't know for you, but for me, time and time again, you step out. And God gets all over that stuff, even when it seems like it's the wrong direction. It's because it's not what we would do, but God blesses. Yeah. I mean, he, he ends up blessing. Um, so you can be to the field. Here's and here's what was amazing about when we first got there. I told you that I had I had surrendered to go to the mission field about 10 years before this, when a guy named Don Sturtz right. was preaching at Bible Baptist in Fairbanks and challenging us to get the gospel to the Soviet Union in in September of 2003, we got there in August. In September, Brother Don Sturtz came with Couriers for Christ and a team, and they had a scripture campaign in Moldova <laughs> that we jumped in on and and took part in and helped in. And so that was that was amazing. You, you're going on the street with, we passed out over 200,000 copies of John and Romans, oh, wow. invited everybody to a special service at the Opera and Ballet Theater. That place was packed out. Really, um, the gospel was preached. Many people got saved, and uh, as a result, there was a church planted in Chisinau, in the capital city. Brother Hamilton planted it. We helped him plant it. We did a lot of stuff. We, you know, just we had a stack of names of people to follow up on. We started canvassing apartment complexes and buildings and going door to door and standing on street corners, passing out literature. And so, um, were they pretty receptive? Oh, at that time, very receptive, you know, more so than any, anywhere, I guess it would have been similar to what we saw when we had taken mission trips to Mexico when we were teenagers oh, with wow. Carlos Demarest. So, uh, Moldova, I would say at that time was very receptive and it still is maybe not like it was 20 years ago, but it's still open and we can still, get the gospel out and pass out gospel tracts and John Romans. And so, wow. Amen. So when you first got to Moldova, both of you not knowing the language 
um, having to – that had to have its own challenges, as you expressed earlier, going to the store trying to yes. <laughs> purchase something simple and stuff. Um, get to know the language there. Pick it up pretty quick. <laughs> is it both stare at each other? I don't know about you, but we went to language school. We were in that in the midst of the campaign. I think we had just gotten started before the campaign ended. Our language school started, and we it, we went to language was, school there. It was a university, and they offered Russian for it was the, the class was designed for students to study college in Moldova that were coming from other countries. So we had kids from. We had Palestinians from Israel. We had kids from Bangladesh. We had guys from Syria that were coming to study in Moldova, and they would take this preparatory class of Russian language so that they could the next semester study in the, in the, in the university. And so we did that for two semesters, and that really helped us. It helped, helped us lay a foundation of how to speak. And, and then, you know, then it's just after that, it's just, everyday life conversations going to the market and so um currently how many children four four children and grandma grandpa i'm just saying just saying but because i know too much but four kids uh obviously over 20 years they're born in moldova two were born in moldova okay um raised in moldova because there's a lot of, there's couples out there, you know, raising your kids on a foreign field. Any hesitation? Challenges? Challenges, yes. Hesitations, no. Help me out with the challenges. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting because I say challenges and, and it's like, yeah, challenges, yes. <laughs> and it was a broad brush, but, you know. One of the things I think with the our children was trying to figure out where they fit in in both sides of the world. Um, they're... That's foreigners everywhere they go that's so, interesting yeah um we speak english at home uh there weren't a lot of kids in the neighborhoods elisa probably had our oldest had the the strongest language skills because she was um we had a neighbor that would come over and so she had someone to play with and talk with and picked up and then we had her with a very strict russian tutor who didn't speak any english <laughs> <laughs> so she had the hardest teacher um, in the beginning. So, um, feeling like you fit in having strong language skills for our children in particular, that's challenging to have a close friend when it's not your heart language. And, um, so challenges that way. Schooling and stuff. Did you try to, you obviously homeschooled? Yes. And so some from the States. Yes. Material from the States. And so you're raising them. That has to be difficult for the children. Or is it more difficult for as us as adults trying to do that, share in both worlds, live in one and raise, you know, educate them in another? I think they're very glad to be homeschooled. <laughs> we had put Yulisa in one of their um, kindergartens in the beginning, and that was only for one year. Um, she did not care for that really? at all. Um, I don't know why in particular, but that was, so she went there for the first year. And then um, we homeschooled, and that always has its challenges, getting things shipped internationally, sorting out what you're going to do, picking a direction um, and a curriculum and all that. But the flexibility, the ease of doing that, um, they have an international school, 
but it's very, very expensive, mostly embassy children, I would say, can afford to attend there. So so I can honestly, you know, sitting on the outside here, you did a good job. Praise <laughs> <laughs> the Lord. <laughs> um, boy, next So raising children on the field, and it definitely has different challenges, especially when you're saying they're in two different worlds like that, but it doesn't seem to have affected them and they're, they're pretty resilient. I mean, I mean, they, they seem to be doing extremely well with that. And, um, do they consider themselves Americans or Moldovan? Americans, <laughs> although the middle two have Moldovan citizenship because they were born there. So they, they're Americans. They I mean, joke they, with each other. But <laughs> yeah, they, they're Americans yes. for sure. That's number one. First and foremost, English is their first language. Um, yes, they can communicate in Russian and two of them have Moldovan passports, but they're still, they're Americans. And we, we're Americans. At home, we're American. We're, we, have you asked them? Yeah. <laughs> you were pretty definite on that. I don't know. I, I tell them. <laughs> you tell them it's going to say, there it is. <laughs> there's Amen. things they miss. They, we come back here and there's definitely cultural things that we we miss and they miss. And they con- they've told us they consider Moldova home. Um, when they were smaller, the kids would cry when we came to stateside after a month or two. When can we go home? They, really? They really missed being home. Being home as in Moldova. Moldova. Mm-hmm. Well, that was, it's, it's interesting that you say that because I was talking to Clayton earlier and, uh, I should say the other day. And it was, it's, you're, you're here for, you're, you're home here at Bible Baptist Church back in Fairbanks for a reason. Your father passed away. So you came home and you're here for a reason. And, uh, you've been here for how long? Since the end of October, so November, December, and January, three almost three months. Almost three months and stuff. Home, Fairbanks, or Moldova? Wow. Sorry. Right now, <laughs> you know. 20 years down the Home line. is Moldova because that's where we live. And yet, you know, I was born and raised in Fairbanks. So, you know, in, in a sense, I consider this my home too. And this is my home church. And my family is here. And uh, my wife's family. So... Yeah, we have two homes. It's hard to say. <laughs> it's a hard question. Where is home? And uh, that's, but, you know, right now we live in Moldova and we're looking forward to getting back. So. Thank you for answering the next question because that kind of summarizes it. Looking forward to going home. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that's how we feel. Glad I to mean, be home, but looking forward we're to going gonna, home. We're yes. going to, we're going to arrive back in Chisinau and it's just going to, it's going to, ah, we're home and we're going to walk into our ha. Ah, we're home. We don't even own the home. We're just renting it. And, and we may not even be able to rent it for much longer, but we're going to walk in and, and it's, it's our home and it's our family. And that's where, that's where we live. So are you convinced, Kyle? <laughs> just the way you put it out there. Yes, sir. <laughs> as long as you say so. <laughs> oh, sorry, Clayton. But it's, it, it has to be a struggle, especially 20 years down the line on that. It's like, here we are. And I, I battle with that coming from Western New York just to Alaska. And, you know, I've been here in Alaska over 24 years, 25, 26, 20. Oh, wow. I've been here a long time. And it's like every time I travel back to Western New York, it's like, well, am I going? 
no, I'm not going home. My home's in Alaska, but where you're born and raised, it's a different. It's a it hangs on, especially yeah. if you're you know you're there for a majority of your life. You know you kind of you call that home and stuff. But the struggle, greatest struggle for me is is when God knits your heart to people and to the people where you're, where God feel where you, where God has led you, and it yeah, it's the same draw as home has. And we have, you know, the folks that we minister to, and some of them are, hey, when are you going to get back? When are you coming back? We sure. miss you guys. Sure. You exactly. Know, so there's that, too. Yeah, we have, you know. That tugs at you. Yeah. Yeah, those are all things you, you, you balance out that you work out with God, helps you put a balance on that. Your parents, Robin, are here. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, they go to my Sunday school classes. Like, ah, what a privilege! Adult, <laughs> adult, adult Bible adult study. Bible study. I know we're supposed to change that. Yeah, I, I used to years ago when I first got saved. I had a Sunday school class of three, fours, and fives, and I did that for years. It's a small room, about the size of this room here. It's twelve by twelve or so, with about no smaller than that. It's a little bit smaller than this. This room, as a matter of fact, and there had to have been 25 of them bus kids. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Those days are easier than the adult Bible study I do today. I look for, I look back and say, why am I not doing that? Oh, because I have a big old jar full of gummy worms. Man, you told their attention for an hour. Yeah. Boy, I can't hold attention for adults for 10 minutes. <laughs> it maybe, was easier back then. Maybe you should try gummy worms. I was thinking about it. <laughs> We've been out the colorful gummy worms. So you can do. Um, so let me, let me leapfrog into the next topic here. Currently that war going on in, uh, Ukraine and Russia attacking. And how does that, how is that spilled over into Moldova? Well, first of all, uh, uh, we were back in, we were actually in New York when the war broke out. Our daughter, Elisa, got married in February of 2022. The, the day after she got married, the war broke out. So we had tickets. We were all ready to come back right after the wedding and we couldn't. They shut the airport down because missiles were flying. Nobody knew what was going to happen. Uh, I thought, many other people thought, that Russia would, would just walk over Ukraine. Once they got Ukraine, Moldova would be next because it used to be part of the Soviet Union. And so we weren't sure what was going to happen. And, uh, of course, as it turned out, it, it Russia did not get as far as we thought they would get. They kind of got held up. Um, and obviously there was tens of thousands of refugees all over, and many came through Moldova. Most of them moved on. Most of them are not there anymore. They moved on farther into Europe. A few of them stayed, but but for the most part, they're gone. Um, and so as far as the war affecting us, it, it really isn't so much anymore. Like, What about, is there any lingering ongoing sediment towards Russian slash Moldova? So, yes, because in Moldova, the every, the the. Moldovan people are very divided between half that are pro-Putin, half of them are pro-Europe and pro-West and pro-Ukraine. And so there's a lot of strife. There are protests on both sides of the issue. The government that is in power now in Moldova is pro-European and pro-Ukrainian. 
and the people who are pro-Russian feel like uh, like they're they're being discriminated against, and and so half the population would happily invite the Russians in, the other half doesn't want it, and so it's just constant turmoil. That has to be tough for Moldova being landlocked the way it is. Yeah. And and really, they don't have any say in it anyway, because if right. something happens, they can't really defend themselves. They're dependent on other countries. And Romania, will Romania. anybody actually come to their defense? <laughs> um, Moldova, <laughs> you know. So as far as the war, though, you know, we keep an eye on the city of Odessa, which is from the capital city where we live to Odessa is about a two-hour drive. To the east. and as long as Odessa holds, then we'll be fine. If Odessa falls, then we'll have to make some kind of a decision. Odessa has has held out. Um, they're they're constantly being bombed and shelled even up till this week they're still being bombed but the russian troops haven't gotten that far yet so um currently in moldova right now have you started a church we are planting a church in a in an area called transnistria which is between ukraine and the Dniester river on the eastern side of the country it's really it's a very pro russian side of the country um, they're in fact they're 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 a separatist area. They're their own separate independent country. They got their own government, their own currency within R- Moldova. Within Moldova, inside Moldova, the United States and Europe would would call that part of Moldova, but Moldova has no. They don't govern that. It's it's a separatist area. It's Russian troops are stationed in Transnistria right now. We pass them when we drive there every single week. Um, they uh but and they are they are, they 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 say we are peacekeepers oh, and they peacekeepers <laughs> in the sense that they keep moldova from if moldova were to try anything or try to take their territory back they would prevent that from happening so um so there's always a lot of upheaval and rumors but there's no other american missionaries in that area and so that's where we go every single week and um in a, in, a, in a village called Krasnaya, we have services on Sundays and then in the midweek, and we got a good group of kids. We've got uh, not as many adults. We have some adults, um, mostly kids and teenagers, and so that's who we're working with and, and looking forward to getting back to. So you travel into this area, you don't it live takes, there. It takes, right. It takes us, we can't live there. It's not possible. So it takes us about an hour drive. We have to actually go across the border, present our passports. Um, the borderline that is not recognized internationally, but it didn't. No, the, <laughs> that only, the only country that recognizes Transnistria is Russia. They recognize Transnistria as its own country. So you're basically traveling into Russia. Yeah. In, in a sense. It, Quasi. It, 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 they, they fly Russian flags. It's not technically Russia, but they, they are very pro. They speak Russian. They don't even want Moldovan. They speak Russian. They're pro-Russia. And, um, but it's just full of people that need the gospel. So that's where we go. Wow. If I'm correct in this, because you helped us out in Ukraine, and both of you did, when you were in Western Ukraine speaking Russian, because Ukrainian people are wondering why you're speaking Russian, because they speak Russian too. Yeah, I mean, we found we found that uh, even just going to the grocery stores, you know, and you you'd speak Russian, they would answer you in Ukraine. They did not want. Yes, they speak Russian, they understand it, but because of the war, they didn't want to anyway. speak it, and they would they would prefer. And and the missionary there, he even encouraged us start out speaking English, 
And when they realize they can't communicate with you, then say, oh, do you speak Russian? Oh, yeah, yeah, I speak Russian. And that's that, that would be. But if we went and started speaking Russian first, You're then Russian. you could see right. immediately the suspicion and the walls. Um, but once they realized we were Americans, oh, and we happen to speak some Russian, then then they would. So no problem. I say that because, you know, especially this day and age with the war, you're right there. You're actually in the heat of it in a sense, cultural wise. And you wind up, you go across this quasi border and you get into that, you get into there. And, uh, <clears throat> I guess the speaking of Russian, that's got you, you have to run the same problem in Moldova, even if you live there. Knowing the Russian like you do, especially more so yeah, people speaking more Moldovan. Yes, and there's some of that, but there was some of that even before the war. And Moldova is such a divided nation. You know, they can't they they can't decide. They, you know, you speak Moldovan to somebody, you greet them in Moldovan, and they'll say, "Come on, we we speak Russian here. We've been speaking Russian here for hundreds and hundreds of years." Then the so then you side. greet somebody in Russian, and they say, "Hey, this is Romania. This is Moldova, and we speak Romanian." and 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 you right. can't it, you can't win. It's just it's a very divided country, and so default um, to the American and go from there. <laughs> you know we and and we speak Russian in Moldova and it's fine and everybody you know it, they have there's so many Russian speaking people you have to they have to speak it so it's not a problem there. I see. I see. Well, wow. So you were saying. <sighs> Earlier, when we were talking about visiting mission fields, you said, I have my own take on that. Well, I mean, so we've had visitors over the years come visit you. Yes. I know there's a lot of people that would like to take short-term missions trips and a lot of people that would like to come to visit. And um, um, just a few things, maybe some do's and don'ts, if you don't mind. Um, uh, I remember we had one one young lady come to visit from a supporting church and, uh, and, and, and everything was above board. Her pastor had called me and said, Hey, we've got a young lady. She's, she's interested in missions. She wants to come visit the mission field. Would it be okay if she came and visited you and just see how you live and see the ministry and get involved? And we were like, sure, that'd be great. Send her on over. So she came and, and of course, when somebody comes, you know, we usually sit down and, and say, Hey, here's some things to do. Here's some things not to do. One of the things we told her was, uh, you know, Moldova's a poor country. It's it's the poorest country in Eastern Europe. Um, and so you're going to have people that approach you, maybe even people in the church, people in the ministry, and they're going to come to you because you're an American and they're going to they're going to come and they're going to have some kind of a sob story and they're going to ask you for for money or for things or whatever. I said, please don't just give things. Come and ask me first, because sure. there are some people that we're already working with there. And there are some people who it's just a big scam and they're just working the crowd. There are some people that we will help. And there are some people that we will not help for, for various and sundry reasons. And I can't tell you all the stories of everybody. I just need you to trust me and do, oh, yes, Brother Clayton, I'll do that. No problem. And <laughs> so at the time. She um, had an opportunity to go teach kids in an orphanage. We had it set up. She would go with a, a young Moldovan girl who would be her translator. She spoke good English. She would be the translator. They would go together. They would ride the public transportation to the orphanage, have their their Sunday school class, and then they would come home together. After a few weeks of this, 
my wife finds her and this girl is sobbing, sobbing, sobbing. And uh, what's wrong? Well, this Moldovan girl had asked her if there was a way that she could give her a jacket. She needs a jacket. It's very cold and it's, it's, it's cold here in the wintertime and there's snow and I need a jacket and I'm so cold. And so this American girl who came to visit us, she just, oh, she, that touched her heart and she felt terrible. So the next time she saw her, she literally took the coat that she had brought from the United States and she gave her that coat. And the girl's response was, well, I don't like that coat. I, I want a different color, you know, and it just destroyed, you know, because what she didn't understand is that we had already given that girl plenty of clothes and coats and boots. She just wanted something different or something better. And so she was just so discouraged because she, she was going to make a big sacrifice and give her coat, you know, anyway, just stuff like this. All I'm saying is trust the missionary when you get there because he knows what's going on a little bit more than you do. And, and that's going to help you out and it's going to help him out because then you're not going to make a mess that he's going to have to clean up after you leave. There you go. And, um, you know, uh, <laughs> this is maybe not quite as spiritual or as, uh, 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 maybe quite as important, but, uh, when we first got there, we couldn't get peanut butter. I like peanut butter. Why do I remember this? Yes. <laughs> and, uh, I'm not going to say any names, but some young man came to visit us. And so we had said, when you come, could you please bring some peanut butter with you? If, if, if possible, please bring some. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sure. He brings a peanut butter Crunch, and then while crunchy he, or smooth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> while he's there, you know, every morning for his toast, he's grabbing the peanut butter, big old blob of peanut butter on his toast. And we're watching the peanut butter that jar that he brought just go down, down, <laughs> down, down. And I'm like, Hey, you're going back to, you're going back to wherever you're from. And you know, anyway, <laughs> peanut butter is important on a mission. field. Especially somebody who lives by peanut butter, I guess. Huh? Are we crunchy or smooth? Smooth. What? No, that's not yes. peanut butter. You got to have the chunks. Smooth. Sorry. <laughs> I feel sorry for Robin. <laughs> hey, she was she was just as mad about the peanut butter as I was. <laughs> so you both like peanut butter, huh? I don't care for it as much anymore. <laughs> It's like, it's like my, one of my sons is, to, is those Reese cups, man. He has to have those Reese cups. It's like, yeah, there's more to life than a Reese cup, but not to him. <laughs> He's got the Reese cups. Wow. Amen. So 20 years on the field, starting a church there, raised kids on the field. God brought your hearts together, brought you together. Um, that being said, but God brings you guys together. And 20 years in the field. And uh, is there anything else you wish to add? You know, I think, again, we touched on this earlier, but, you know, uh, just we had ideas and plans and thoughts about what we would do. And then God directed us. For instance, we have uh, a printing ministry in Moldova that I had no idea that we were going to get involved in. I had no idea. That wasn't on the radar. That was not part of the plans when we went but it was a need and God 
used us to fill that need. Right. My wife, you know, we put out we put out new literature every single week, Bible studies, gospel tracts, um, and and the Lord's used my wife to be able to do graphic design and very talented at it. We didn't even know that that was a talent that she had, and and yet God's using it. And um, and literature is a great way to get the gospel out in Moldova because people read, people take tracts, people take Bible study booklets because they're sitting on a bus for hours at a time to get across town. So that's one really effective way of getting the gospel out. And that's something that we got involved in. Um, God knew ahead of time what we needed to do and, and we didn't know that. And so, and so, um, and again, so you just go and let God lead and guide and direct. Um, next plans in the future. Um, well, we're going back here in just a couple of weeks, and uh, we want to continue to go back out into Transnistria. We want to see the work there grow, and we also we want to see maybe some more towns and villages open up in Transnistria. Since we're already going, um, it would be it would be a blessing to see the Lord to open some new doors. But again, it's difficult to work there. Uh, it's, a, it's it's kind of a closed area. You can't in Moldova. You can go publicly and evangelize and get the gospel out. And in Transnistria, you have to do it privately. You can't, you can't go publicly on a street corner and preach or, um, you can have a service in a building and do what you want in the building, but you can't go outside the building. So, um, we, we could do that, but they would kick us out very, very fast. So anyway, that's, that's our, our goals for the future. And then again, of course, we're, we're seeing the printing ministry grow. Um, Every single year it's growing and we've been able to get, we started to get uh, literature into Ukrainian, translated into Ukrainian and distributed into Ukraine. One of the good things about the war is it's opened up new doors of opportunity to get the gospel out into Ukraine. Really? It's definitely, I see that. Um, some of our previous podcasts on Ukraine, that's the, yeah, I believe we mentioned you and so both of you guys going to help us out there, Western Ukraine and and just what's going on there. It's kind of that whole area is just so up in the air, but yet you, you, you know, being dealing with it for your, for the last couple of years, just watching how ministries are just, okay, there's a war until something else happens. Let's keep moving forward. Yeah. Let's keep moving forward. So, uh, does any of that unrest and stuff settle within your heart, Robin? It give you, make you nervous. No, not at this point. I know people ask, do you have an exit plan? What do you, um, <laughs> you know, we just, we, when we were on deputation, Clayton had a pastor who told him, why are you taking your family to Moldova? It's too dangerous to go there. It's closed. Yeah. Well, no, it's not. Um, so until God closes the door, we're going to keep going forward. Yeah. Wow. Did you hear that, Clayton? You're going to keep moving forward, did you? Yeah, That's man. what you said. <laughs> Yes, dear. <laughs> awesome. Um, so if a couple or individual wants to reach out to you, how would they do that? Or if a pastor or another church or heavy uh, end? Uh, veteran be- missionaries are the new wave. Best way by email, cmccurdy777 at hotmail.com. Or I have a I have a Skype number that will work in Moldova as well. Seven one five three five two four two two seven. One more time. Seven one five three five two four two two seven. Wow, amen. Yep. Well, I just definitely want to thank you guys for 
taking the time. And I know it's been a long time coming and get this podcast in and we can do three or four more easy uh, with what you guys have done and what you're doing. And I appreciate you taking this time to come and share this with us. And if you need to reach out to these guys, I would encourage you as pastors or eh, reach out from the pew and just reach out and just tell them you share with them uh, your thoughts and, and definitely your prayers. And if you need to something or they, they will, I won't even ask if you're willing to have somebody give you a call and if you'll help them out or not, because I know your heart and I know you do already, you know, somebody has some questions and stuff. And if you're, you're a young lady or you're, you're, how do I say that? If you're a, um, if you're a lady and wish to reach out to Robin and ask how, how do you do it for 20 years? You'd be willing to entertain from phone calls or yes. emails. Yes, yeah. sir. You can get a hold of you through that same Clayton 777. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks and uh, look forward to seeing what God has for you guys in the future. Thanks for the time. Well, thank you. Thanks for having us. Awesome. This podcast is for preachers, missionaries, and laymen. If you wish to contact us, you can reach us at jjpodcast.com or email us at info at jjpodcast.com. If you're a current missionary on the field or on deputation and have something you can share with us, please feel free to reach out to us. If you're a pastor and have some insight that you can share with these missionaries to help them, please feel free to reach out to us. If you're in the pew and have a subject you would like to have discussed, please feel free to email us at info at jjpodcast.com. That's info at jjpodcast.com.